Podcast. I am your host, Chris Terrell, and this is episode five of season one. By the way, just so you know, I'm going to be taking this to 10 episodes and then I'll be taking a short break so I can plan out the uh, next season because I'm starting to really enjoy this podcasting thing. But I'm starting to realize uh, it takes a bit more planning than I had realized. I've got a newfound respect for podcasters. In this week's episode, I want to address a question or kind of a comment made on TikTok uh, with one of my recent posts. So this po- this comment comes from Hitterperter12. It's always fun. It's always fun trying to pronounce these names uh, that people list. But the question is this. How are you dealing when you have very bad news and food is your escape? Uh, so I'm assuming what, you know, the, the actual question is, how do you deal with that when you have bad news or something goes wrong and food has been your go-to escape? What do you do? Like, cause if you're trying to lose weight, you, you, you can't just turn to food every time you're sad because sometimes, well, life is, a, life sucks sometimes. And sometimes life has a way of keeping us down in the dumps for more than a couple of days. You know, because if you're just sad and you have a bad day and you have a little bit more than you eat in one lunch and that's like the only time it happens in a month, you're probably going to be fine. You're, you're, you know, it's not going to be a big deal. Now, I'm not saying go crazy and have 4,000 calories, but, you know, you go over your calorie limit by a couple of days or end up eating maintenance, it'll be fine. But if you're doing this like every couple of days, that's a problem. And I think this is a sort of a two, twofold thing. There's both. What do you do when food is your go-to and when you're dealing with a problem? But I also think this touches on another aspect of what do I do if I want to like have a break or if I need to, if I'm going to go over my calories for the day. I want to start with that one because that's the easier one. And then we're going to circle to the other. I'm reminded of a story that I, this is something that happened to me. I witnessed it. It was years and years and years and years ago. My brother, um, who's always been in pretty good shape, you know, loved to, you know, he's a big triathlete there for a while and uh, a runner and high rock climber. I mean, he's just always been a very physically, a physical guy and always in fairly decent shape as a result of it. Now, his wife was trying to lose some weight. And if memory serves, she was training to run a 5K or a half marathon or something. She was training to do a run of some sort. And this would have been in like 2000 nine, 10 or 11, somewhere in that range. So a good 10 years, 10, 10, 12 years ago. And I'm at a church function. I'm sitting there. My brother's sitting there. We're in this big room. And then I remember my sister-in-law walks in the room and she sits down and she's got a plate and on the plate is a piece of cake. She's eating it. And as soon as she walks in, my, my brother just starts giving her eyes and just staring at her. And, uh, she's got this guilty look on her face and she goes, it's a special occasion. And he responds, there seems to be an awful lot of special occasions lately. Now, I know them enough to know this isn't some toxic thing. Like they, their thing is to be each other's accountability partner when they're trying to hit a goal. So like this is, now I didn't know that she was training for something at the time, but I, I immediately put it together when I saw that. I was like, oh, this is some accountability partner stuff just because I knew them. But that is his response. There seems to be a lot of special occasions lately has stuck with me for years. I, I use this story all the time and it has been over a decade since it happened. 
because when you're trying to lose weight, a lot of times people go, oh, well, I can have cake on a birthday because it's a special occasion. It's a one time a year. Well, that's fine if it's your birthday. And yeah, maybe you have the calories for it. Maybe you don't. But if you're having cake every time it's somebody's birthday at the office and then every time somebody has a little celebration of something and then you're all going to go out to eat and every time you turn around, I mean, if we're not careful, now granted it's a little difficult in a pandemic, but life and sometimes with your social network, if you're not careful, every time you turn around, there could be a reason to celebrate something. And if you're on a weight loss journey and you're trying to control what you eat, how do we as humans like to celebrate with food? And when you're on that journey of weight loss, it sucks. Because the thing everybody wants to do to commemorate the celebration is eat and usually not like good food and a lot of it. And you're over here sitting like, "Ah, wow, if I do that, like that's going to derail me. I have goals that I'm trying to attain. Now let's circle back to what do you do when you're sad? And I'm going to tie both of these together. Let's talk about people quitting smoking. A lot of people when they're, or actually better yet, let's talk about people quitting drugs. It is not uncommon for people quitting drugs to take up smoking. Now, I'm not saying it's good to take up smoking at all. I don't. I'm not a smoking advocate at all. So I am not the guy for you if you think I'm going to say it's okay. No, it's not. You should not smoke. So why do they do that? Because often drug addicts are not addicts just because of the addictive qualities of the drug. They're addicts because they're self-medicating an underlying issue and the drugs become the medicine. The heroin becomes the medicine. Well, for those of us and you know, you listening, if you're anything like how I am, my name is Chris Terrell and I'm a food addict. Even still, I'm a recovering food addict. I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to eating. I want to eat all the time because when I'm sad, I think about food. When I'm angry, I think about food. When I'm happy, I think about food. Because of what I said earlier, how everybody wants to commemorate events with food, that is me. You can't tell, but I'm raising my hand high saying, this is me. And if that's you, the first step is just admitting it, admitting I'm an addict. I'm a food addict. So just say it right now, wherever you're at, just say, hi, my name is, insert name here, and I'm a food addict. Because once you acknowledge it, you can start to deal with it. Now... When you're sad, when you get depressing news, just like the addicts turn to cigarettes because they're replacing the drug with a different drug, a lesser drug that's not very good, but better than killing yourself from an overdose of heroin, I suppose. Food is the same thing. Not that you should give up food and then turn to smoking cigarettes, but what I'm trying to indicate is when you turn to, if you're turning to food for things, you have to replace it with something. The reasons that are driving you to food are never going to go away. You will, I promise, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how much money you make or don't make, no matter how big your family is or is not, no matter how many friends you do or do not have, you are going to be sad sometimes. You are going to be depressed sometimes. You are going to be angry sometimes. You're going to get unexpected and out of the blue, soul-crushing news occasionally. This happens to everyone in this world. And when it happens to you, you're just like everybody else and you have to somehow process and deal with it. And this is where we as humans start to vary. 
But the reality, that situation, that's the same for all of us. We all deal with it. And us food addicts, we turn to food for the good and the bad. When I got it, when I remember anytime I got a raise or a new job or some sort of big deal happened, what did I want to do? Let's go out and eat and celebrate. Let's go to my favorite restaurant and I'm going to eat till I'm sick. And I love barbecue and I was living in Kansas City and wow, I gained some weight quick in Kansas City because that is like the barbecue capital of the world. Sorry, everybody else, but that's how I feel for those of you that are another barbecue joint places, Memphis, St. Louis, Texas, Carolina, Kansas City's gotcha. All right, back to the point. I digressed and probably ruffled some feathers there. I regret nothing. So when you have the sad moments, the happy moments, the angry moments, you are trying to process that. And often, especially on the sad ones, we are trying to soothe our troubled soul. We're trying to make ourselves feel better. Now, I am not a therapist. I am not a doctor. I am not a psychiatrist. I am just a guy who spends a strange amount of time analyzing myself. So I am only going to be speaking from the perspective and the standpoint of what I did and what has worked for me. If you find some parallels in this, or if you find some things in this, you're like, that might work for me. Hey, give it a try if you'd like. But I want to be very, I want to stress that what I'm about to talk about, this is my personal experience. If you're not, so if you need to see a therapist to help you, see a therapist to help you. If you need to talk to your doctor, talk to your doctor. I say it almost every podcast and I'll probably will continue to say it. Changing your life is not easy and sometimes you need help. And turning to just some guy on the internet like myself when it comes to your medical, I ain't, that, that's not right. Talk to your doctor. Well, the same goes for brain stuff, mental stuff. You might need a therapist, you might need a psychiatrist, you might need a psychologist, whatever it is. It's okay. First, I want to talk a bit about this. I'm a huge advocate and proponent of and supporter of mental health, mental health awareness, and destigmatizing treatment of it. I think everybody should have both a primary care provider and a therapist. You see them both once a year for a check-in at a minimum. But for some reason, we as a society have stigmatized therapy and psychology and psychiatry. And I think that's a problem, but back to the topic of the mental game. What do you do? Uh, for those, for, for those of you that don't know, and many of you do know, cause you've been following me, my father passed at the beginning of my weight loss journey. And that was the catalyst that began my weight loss journey. Well, naturally the, the loss of a father, especially when I was very, very close to him caused a lot of grief a lot of turmoil, a lot of depression, a lot of sadness. I have felt on my weight loss journey levels of sadness I did not know humans could feel and still live. I have felt moments of depression that people would describe that dealt with depression, but I never fully, I, I didn't understand it until I had experienced it the soul crushing feeling of depression or the soul crushing feeling of grief and sadness at loss, at the loss of something that you cannot get back, something precious, something important. There were times, there were three times in fact, that I can remember, I was so sad. We're talking borderline suicidal. 
Okay. This is, you know, I, I probably should have had more help looking back, you know, but it, it snuck up on me and it was in the, a lot of this happened during a pandemic. And it, I actually tried at one point to get a therapist and it was really difficult. Uh, you know, it's probably easier now. So why do I tell you that? I tell you that to say, I have been there and I'll be there again. I have been in the depths of despair and sadness and needed to figure out some way to cope with it because on one hand, I didn't want to give up my weight loss journey, but on the other hand, I was just so damn sad. All I wanted to do was eat everything. So I had to, I came to two realizations that helped me get through this and helped me stop turning to food. And again, these were my solutions for me. I don't know if they will work for you, but they worked for me. The first is I had to acknowledge that I was running away from feelings. I was running away from the grief of losing my father. I was running away from the pain that I had felt from staying in the closet until I was 34 and came out. I was running away from a lot of negative emotions and not allowing them to have their stay for a moment and to allow me to process them. I would cover them up with food until I would feel sick. And then I, all I would think about is how I loved the food, but then I would think I would, how much I hated myself because I ate all this food, you know, which of course would make me eat, eat more. You know, the whole line from Austin Powers with Fat Bastard, I eat because I'm unhappy. I'm, and I'm unhappy because I eat. Like, oh, it's so true. Like that one, that line's so true. It almost rings a tear to my eye. Oh, I'm laughing because it's sad. So that was me. So once I realized I was running from feelings. I started trying to let them, I started trying to let them happen. Well, that created a whole new slew of problems because now I'm feeling all these feelings that I was previously not allowing myself to feel because I would cover them up. And, and the more I'd let it happen, the more intense the feelings would get. So that's when I said, like I had felt levels of sadness I had never felt before. It's because in my past, I was always preventing myself from ever getting there. I would self-medicate with food. Well, now I've realized, okay, can't do that. Can't, can't do that. Need to let the emotions happen. But oh, wow, these are really strong. Oh, wow, I'm really sad. Okay, this, this grief that I'm feeling right now, this is too much. Now, this is, I had a, an epiphany moment. This would have been about April of last year, 2019. We're a month into the pandemic. Chicago has been on lockdown for a month, but we're on like top level lockdown. Like, like nothing is open except grocery stores. I mean, nothing. And we're all freaking out because we were one of the first areas to go. You know, we had Washington and New York and a couple of those places and then Chicago. And so we're on lockdown. We're all just freaking out. So I'm mostly, and I work in commercial cleaning in my day job. So I was still going out during the day and working. And then I was coming home in the evenings. Now, work has always been a good source of therapy for me. I already knew that. Like as soon when my dad passed, I was back to work within a couple of days. Why? Because work is good therapy for me. I do well with the distraction. I know not everybody's like that and that's okay. But for me, I was. So I was getting some therapy, so to speak. You know, I'm feeling all the feelings, but then I would go to work and I'm like, all right, I have to kind of put these aside and focus on my work. And that was actually really, you know, really cathartic. Is that the right word? Yeah, cathartic. But then I'd come home from work and then that's when the feelings would show up 
and usually they were, uh, you know, I had tough evenings and I couldn't go to the gym. Now I hadn't, so I, so I'm, I'm struggling to figure out a way to get good exercise. And I finally, I'm like, well, I guess I need to start running because it's like the only thing I can do. I have nothing else. I have a 20, a set of 25 pound dumbbells and that's not quite cutting it. And I need to burn more calories. So I started running and at first it was awful. Oh, it was so awful. But after a few weeks, I started to get better at it and I could run a little bit more. And I had this day, this is the epiphany day, where I was particularly, it was getting near the, the anniversary of when we're going to find out my father had cancer. And, you know, the closer I got to that, like, I, I just started to become a hot mess. And I had one day where I was, I was grieving really hard. I mean, I was on the verge of tears all day for no explainable reason. Um, sometimes I was crying. I mean, it was, it was just, it was just one of those very emotional days for me. And so I said, you know what? I, I am, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm so sad. I'm, I'm literally in pain from the sadness. I, I've not really experienced that. That was a new thing for me. And so I said, I, I got to do something because I can't, I can't, I can't handle this. And so I said, I, 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 I'll go for a run. So I, I put on some music, some really, some really loud, upbeat music, fast tempo, and I just start running. And, and, and then I'm like, I, I'm still sad. So I ran harder. I'm, I'm still sad. So I turned the music up and I ran harder until, and then I just kept running. And then all of a sudden I had a moment where I was like, where I have been running and it was starting to really hurt. And I realized, wait a minute. I haven't felt sad for the last 30 seconds. And actually I feel a little bit better. And now I can feel the sadness coming back. I was like, okay, well, uh, run harder. So I'm getting near the end of my run. I'm like, well, I, I'm just going to all out. I'm going to run as hard as I can and not, not sprinting, but I'm going to see if I can make it to the house. You know, I'm maybe, maybe 200 yards, 300 yards from the house. And I ran and ran and I'm just, and if I felt like I had, as the closer I got to the house, I started speeding up and running faster and faster and I'm getting closer and I'm going faster and faster. And, and it hurts so much. And I get to the house and I'm just, I'm out of breath. My legs are screaming at me. My arms are even are screaming at me. I mean, just everything hurts. And I'm sitting here and I felt so good. Because I now had also experienced runner's high for the first time. I had experienced this huge endorphin rush that came from the exercise. And, and also the, the rush of feeling like, wow, I just pushed my body and it did it. Like it did it. I'm not dead. I, I hurt. I feel like I won't going to die, but I'm not going to die. And I'm not dead. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then I just remember thinking like, holy cow, for the last minute, I haven't thought about how sad I was. Like it just dawned on me. Like I had an escape. I had a release literally the entire day. I had no release from the sadness. The Debbie just sadder than sad. I had not had any release because I wasn't turning to food and I wanted to. And so I ran and I'm like, this is amazing. So there's a bush. I had already walked it off for is about maybe 50, 60 yards from the house, from the driveway. And so I'm like, I'm going to sprint to that bush as hard as I can. I'm just going to all out sprint. And I did it. And, you know, in the, you know, the, what, the 10, 12, 15 seconds, whatever it took, well, not that long, <laughs> not that slow, but maybe 56, so probably like, yeah, six or eight, nine seconds. Um, I get there and I'm like, 
you know, I'm breathing heavy and I'm like, same thing. But then I was like, oh, wow. I felt like, I felt like a rush and I felt so good. And so I turned around and I, and I sprinted back into the driveway. And I mean, I'm hurting, I'm tired, but I still had some left in the tank. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing these sprints. I got nothing left in the tank. And I did it maybe, you know, down and back, like maybe three more times. And then I was spent, I was spent, spent. And I go inside and I make dinner and I go upstairs and I am feeling really good. I'm still sad, but now I've been given a release and an endorphin rush from the intense exercise. And then I go in and I, and I accomplish a goal. I don't, I eat what I'm supposed to eat for dinner. Then I go upstairs with my food. And I just remember thinking like, wow, that, that really worked. And, and it clicked to me that exercise can be something I can turn to. So I called my brother, the one in the very beginning of the podcast I talked about, the one that's always in shape. And I, and I told him, I says, Hey, is this normal? Like, is this something a lot of people have known about that I've just never known about? He goes, Oh yeah, man. He's like, that's totally what I do. Like, it's amazing. You get this huge endorphin rush when you do this stuff and you just feel like that is a healthy way to channel your emotions rather than doing it through food. And it just, it just all these these switches started flipping in my brain. I'm like, oh, wow, that, that makes sense. It's, you want to cope with the pain. It's fine to want to cope with it and get some relief from sadness, from sorrow, from grief, from pain, whatever it is. But there's a healthy way and an unhealthy way to do it. Turning to drugs, turning to food, turning to just sitting down and binging the TV for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. These are not healthy ways to cope with the feelings. That doesn't mean you don't do them, but there, there are better ways. And doing something like exercise where you think, oh, well, that's unhealthy. To, no, it, and the more I've talked, I've talked with so many people that have been in shape and stayed in shape their whole lives. This is something the skinny world has known about or the fit world. Like they, people have known about it. And I had no idea. I never asked. And this isn't something people talk about. I mean, people do, but like at the same time on the other end is the big person. I'm like, whatever. This is just something people say just to get you to do it. But to answer the question all the way here at the end of the podcast episode, letting, finding healthy ways to cope with the feelings is what it's going to take. You cannot brute force through just sheer will not eat food when food is the thing that you would turn to. You need to acknowledge that you turn to food. Now, the commenter, it appears that you you are aware of that. And I imagine most of you are as well. But that's where it starts. Acknowledge, I turn to food. And then you need to start finding alternatives, healthier substitutes for it. For me, I discovered exercise. And it's still to this day, a year, almost a year later, is still my preferred go-to source of therapy is to go to the gym. I tell people all the time, I go to the gym to work out my feelings. I put on headphones, I find the right music to get me in the right headspace, and I just let the emotions come out and I channel the emotion into whatever the exercise is I'm doing. So if I'm on that elliptical and I'm like trying to let out of some feelings and sometimes maybe they're sad feelings or they're angry feelings or they're happy feelings, the more I feel the feelings, the more I push into the elliptical. I go faster, I go harder, I crank up the intensity. If I'm lifting a weight, the more I'll lift, I'll push harder because I find I balance it out in that endorphin rush and that sense of calm that comes from and that sense of accomplishment at pushing yourself and beating your previous self, because it doesn't matter about anybody else. It only matters about you and yourself. 
when you feel these feelings, it allows you to process what's going on. And it has to be a proactive thing, though. You can't just only turn to it when you have the problem. So I go to the gym with some, often with a mission to find feelings that are underlying, let them out and feel them. And work it out there at the gym. Okay. This episode has gone a little bit long, but this is a topic I'm really passionate about. And hopefully some of you are able to find this useful. If you're on your weight loss journey still, keep going, keep pushing, don't give up. It's not over till you win. You just got to keep going. As long as you haven't given up, you're going to be fine. As long as you haven't given up, you're still on the journey. As long as you haven't said, I quit, you're still on the journey. Even if you slip and fall and you overeat and you been, or you binge one day or you hadn't been to the gym in a month or you haven't been eating on target for the last three weeks. But as long as you haven't said, I quit, you're on the journey. Keep going. You can always take a step forward from wherever you are right now. You can do hard things. Keep going. Keep pushing. You got this. And I'll see you next week.